Factor Radio. Our very special guest today has traveled all the way from 430 BCE from Athens, Greece, Mr. Xenophon. Welcome, Xenophon. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. It's a wonderful day here on the farm. Uh, I'm actually still on the farm here uh, in Greece, but uh, I'm talking to you on this wonderful modern device, the Telefonos, and uh, so it's uh, great to be here. Well, we're so glad that you could make it, and that travel through time I hear is pretty stressful, so I hope you are getting some rest there. Yeah, it wreaks havoc on your minutes with the cell phone, I tell you. No, I'll bet it does. I'll bet it does. Now, Xenophon, can you tell us, for those who haven't heard of you before, who are you? And why are you so well-known in the horse world? Well, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, I don't realize that I'm so well-known. But, you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I was born in 431 in Attica, which is the countryside surrounding Athens. Uh, my father was Gruyus. He was a middling aristocrat. And uh, this got me into the ranks of privilege. Uh, I had an education in arts and rhetoric and, of course, uh, got me into a political life as well as a literary life, uh, and, of course, uh, a military and an equestrian life, which, which, you know, of course, is the reason I'm here talking to you. Um, I studied with Socrates. I was very lucky there. Um, he, of course, was walking the agora in, in, uh, in Athens in those days. Uh, and it's with him I developed my critical faculties, uh, as well as what many people have criticized later as my unconventionality, and it got me into a little trouble later, uh, of course. But uh, uh, I, I uh, you know, I, I wrote this book, and this is what makes me uh, known today in the equestrian circle. And what is the name of your book? Well, uh, the, the, the book that everyone talks about today in the, in the horse world is, of course, On Horsemanship. That's how it's translated. And this is the horsemanship I bo- uh, a book I wrote. However, I wrote many other things at my home. Uh, later in my retirement, I write a book about the cavalry generalship, a uh, book on hunting, a uh, book on my trip up country from uh, after the Battle of Tunaxa in, in Mesopotamia uh, called Anabasis, and several, several other texts. I wrote a text about the, the politics of Athens and Lacedaemonia or, or Sparta as, as it's known today. Uh, so I, I spent a lot of time writing. You know, when the weather gets bad uh, and the storms come in, you don't have much more you can do. So you sit down and you write, and I had a lot to say. But this book on, uh, on horsemanship, uh, I, I wrote uh, from the point of view as though I were still in Athens, but really I wrote it after I left Athens. Uh, and uh, concerned, I was concerned with the variety of ways I saw horses treated and used sometimes uh, how they were abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the record, I wrote my book on the Cavalry General about the same time, again concerned with, frankly, a lack of equestrian proficiency in the Athenian and the Spartan upper classes. Uh, it's really a short book. It's only about 50 pages on uh, the modern 8.5 by 11, like you have today on the printer, uh, including the critical apparatus, because, of course, you know, everyone has to put their footnotes in what they think I really meant. But in it, I cover a great deal. I'm recognizing how to recognize good young horses, buying young and middle-aged horses, raising them for various specific uses, riding, handling the animals, training. Uh, and I finish with some notes on how to outfit the cavalryman, uh, the, the, the warrior on horseback. Um, mm-hmm. 
And from what I can gather today, looking looking from my from from my perspective, it's the earliest text of the kind that exists today. Um, given that uh, the work of uh, Simon of Athens, he is no longer available. There is much older text which predates mine by something like a thousand years, written by a Hittite farther in the, in the east, in, in in what in my time is Persia. Uh, and this Hittite is named Kikuli. But I have not seen this text, and I can't say that it has influenced me directly. Hmm. Okay. Now, in your day, uh, we're talking what from today, 2,400 years approximately ago. What were horses mostly used for? You know, t today we use them mostly for pleasure and companionship and sport. But what did you use your horses for? Almost strictly for war. War. Okay. War. war uh, fighting. This is really the main thing. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because we looked at horses. We look at horses as a kind of uh, a tool, uh, but not strictly a tool. I mean, not certainly for getting around. Ox cart, mm -hmm. donkey on foot. These are the ways people get around on a regular basis in in uh, in, in ancient Greece. Uh, it's not until uh, much later that people start uh, breeding horses in large enough numbers. Uh, uh, that people are actually riding horses to go place to place, mostly on foot. So it's 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 warfare mostly for horses. And then of course we have our our um, uh, our central in the central square in Athens uh, in the Agora. We have the uh, the the uh, very important rituals. Uh, we will race horses around the temples and show mm -hmm. off to the gods and to the people uh, the our horsemanship, such as it is. And then we try to uh, uh, demonstrate to everyone uh, what we can do with the horses. So there's the ceremonial, there is uh, there is warfare, cavalry, and then of course we also have horse racing uh, out in the countryside, which uh, I think people would probably look at today. This is of course pre-Roman. The idea of the hippodrome is not around yet. Uh, this is uh, what people today would maybe call a point-to-point -point race very important to mm. us. We'll do this uh, to show off for each other. Like point-to-point point cross-country? Exactly. Everything is cross-country. Everything is cross-country mm -hmm. uh, in my time. Okay. Okay. Now, since horses are being used very differently today, do you believe that your book on horsemanship is still relevant to us today? Hmm. Well, I like to think that it is. Maybe I should be asking you, do you think it's relevant? But I, I like to think it is. Certainly people are still the book and it's Penguin reprints. Um, I see this, uh, uh, and of course uh, they're downloading it from the Gutenberg.org uh, for free. Uh, but whether they read the book, that's another matter. Um, sometimes it makes me think of Mark Twain. You know Mark Twain? He mm -hmm, had a definition of many people came to Mark Twain and said, "You wrote all these classics," and he he laughed and he said, "A classic is a book everyone wants to have read." And I think that's the case <laughs> with. Uh, that's the case with uh, my book. Uh, everyone seems to own it, and uh, not too many people actually read it. But is it relevant? As far as I can tell, horses haven't changed, except in certain breeds. People have uh, definitely not changed. We still do the same stupid thing. Uh, more and more, uh, we all seem to want clear and simple guidance that takes us back to first principles. So with the first principles, of, I like that. Uh, yeah, so with the exception of books, and masters who elaborate on my work, or writers who go into great detail about how to teach a particular element of a movement, 
Uh, there's very little anyone has added to my foundation. This is not to deny the importance of what has come after me, but how often do I read in their own words? Rereading Xenophon, I find all my conclusions are already foreshadowed there, so many of them say, or, but we can see that Xenophon already knew this. People keep writing it. Uh, people keep buying and downloading on horsemanship. Uh, let's hope they're reading it. I hope they are, and I appreciate the copy that you gave to me. And for our listeners, if you haven't read Xenophon's On Horsemanship, just send me an email to info at thewowfactorradio.com, and I will email you the ebook for free. Just send me an email, info at thewowfactorradio.com. And I do appreciate that very much. Now, in your day, uh, where you came from, is there such a thing as a school of Athenian horsemanship? You know, this is kind of embarrassing. Uh, Athens... Uh, Sparta or Lacedaemonia, as we call it. Uh, um, uh, no, there's no really, there's no school, there's no style of riding. Maybe they hold their hand a certain way, maybe they have a certain kind of uh, posture when they're on the horse, but generally speaking, no. The, as I said before, the horsemanship of my era, particularly in the Peloponnesus, in, the, in, in, in uh, all of Greece, all of uh, Hellas, is concerned predominantly with war. I make no bones about this in my work on horsemanship. Um, are there certain minor things that characterize the Athenian riding versus Theban or Thracian riding? Sure, uh, and, I, and I've said that already. But the most salient factor, of course, distinguishing the Athenian versus the Thebans and the Thracians is mm-hmm. that the Athenians don't ride nearly as well. Um, and mm-hmm. one of the reasons I wrote this book and, and Hipparchicus the cavalry general. I spent a lot of time with Thebans and Thracians. It became pretty clear that Athens and Sparta too had a lot to learn from them. You see, for the Persians, Thracians, these are other, uh, these are these are other uh, Hellenes. These are other people who live in the in the, in the sphere of, of the the Hellenic, excuse me, <clears throat> the Hellenic influence. Uh, they're a little bit farther up the uh, the Balkan Peninsula, so they have. Uh, uh, Thieves and uh, Thrace, especially, is kind of where Bulgaria is today. Okay, Bulgaria uh, area. Okay. Right. So, but they're definitely part of the Hellenic world. Um, and for the Persians, however, and later for Alexander, Alexander the Great, you know, um, mm-hmm. the cavalry. The cavalry is a decisive arm of the military campaign. At Kunaxa in 401, uh, Greek cavalry is maybe at best a tenth of our overall forces. Uh, small, small part. Uh, Artaxerxes, who are fighting against, has as many as a third of his forces mounted, to say nothing of these wicked-sized chariots that he used to have. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have cavalry. We value horses for their splendor and their symbolism. Uh, we revel in how they make us feel when we're mounted on them. It's like flying. Uh, but we don't use them well in battle, and we don't often relate to them well in life. And this, again, I'm talking about my immediate knowledge is Sparta and, and, and Athens, um, we're not using them well in battle and we're not relating to them well in life. And so this, I'm afraid, is what characterizes an Athenian school of horsemanship in general. I'm embarrassed to say, but, but this is the truth. What I propose in my book in, on horsemanship is to make horses the outlet for what is best in ourselves. You know, our best selves should come out in the horses. The watchwords of this of this school of riding, if we had a school of riding, so to speak, uh, a, a style of riding that would that would be this, would be patience, 
and gentleness. Horses patience and gentleness. Okay. Patience and gentleness. This would be our watchwords, and this is I'm not seeing very much of this in my time. Um, horses, young and old, always go back to their prime motivators: food, companionship, flight from danger. This can only be augmented so that they see us as the source of goodness in their lives and safety from danger. This will never change. This is the way God makes them. So mm -hmm. this understanding on the part of the horse, this does not come overnight. Truly, only after years of effort, though many learn it much faster, certainly, you know, horse people know that horses adapt very quickly. So I say years, mm -hmm. we need to be prepared for years, but it, that can happen much faster. Uh, horses who don't respond to the rain aid, for instance, usually acting in concert with something that they want more. And I talk about this in my book when I'm addressing the adult horse who shows signs of being herd sour. I have this little section where I talk about what if you want to buy a horse who is older maybe. Um, I talk about essentially what is herd sour. They often have hard mouths from being pulled on in an effort to steer them away from the road home. But to use <laughs> a metaphor of a modern master, why should the horse care left or right? doesn't matter. As far as he's concerned, this modern man, he says, you should be the best thing on television. You should be the best thing on TV. What does he care left or right? So this horse who's, who's acting this way, he's not come to understand that his best interests are in being with you at that moment, not wrenching the reins out of your hands and dashing for the barn. Needless to say, horse is not the answer. Horses are not the answer, and neither is Neither harsh bits, smooth bits is always better than a rock. A quiet hand is always better than a violent one. You sound what today we would call perhaps classical. Are you familiar in our modern term of the use of the word classical either in horsemanship or architecture or anything else? And what do you think of that? Oh, po, 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 po. This, this word, it, it bothers me, classical. Uh, you know, it's, um, I'm uncomfortable with this word. You're uncomfortable with the term classical? It is an 18th century term that elevates my era and that of Rome to a status far exceeding our own actual work. I say this ah. in humility. I say this in humility, not with hubris. I say this in humility partly also because it's ignorant to, to propose such discontinuity with the past as though from 300 CE to 1700 is a great big hole. In any event, mm -hmm. horsemanship as practiced during my era wasn't all that great. I've made mm -hmm. that clear already. So yeah. classical is a slippery term. It can mean everything or nothing. It can be a smokescreen behind which bad horsemanship can hide. It can be a bludgeon with which to attack anyone who doesn't ride like you do. But Ooh, the inventors point. of... Yeah, people, you know, they... they Oh, that's not classical. You hear this? He's old with him. He's so sloppy. That's not classical. Well, maybe it's classical. He's just sloppy. Uh, as the inventors of the term, and it's used today, like to point to my work all the time, though, as the source of what's classical. So let's look at what I wrote. First of all, if I had to define classical, again, you must forgive. I wrote this book a long time ago. I have a copy here in front of me, so then maybe I turn to pages. Uh, but Looking at what I wrote in general, time, time is what, what is to be classical. Don't rush. Don't expect instant results. 
The second is relationship. The horse should look to you for guidance. It's a relationship between you and the horse. Uh, Simon of Athens says, what the horse does under compulsion, he does blindly. So we must guide requests and not force. The horse should show off his best simply by we ask him. We don't force him. This is a, because it's, it is a relationship. It's not uh, not a, uh, not just like slavery. Uh, mm -hmm. The the third would be to work with the horse's mind and spirit more than his body. To this end, don't use gadgets that put the horse in a posture, because they don't address the cause of the movement, which is what is the cause of the movement? Why does the horse move? It's his mind. It's mind that makes the horse move. You know the joke about why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other mm -hmm. side? Why did the mm -hmm. horse cross the road? Because he wanted to. So yeah. we have to get the horse to want to. And this mm. is not come from, this is coming from the body, this is coming from the mind. Uh, finally, I would say, uh, if, if I had to define it, I would say, don't draw back the hand. Lift the hand, ask the horse to raise his head, ask the horse to raise his head and continue to bring his haunches under at whatever gate. But then quit, stop, lower the hand, ask the horse, allow the horse the freedom to hold the posture on his own over time. Remember the first point, over time, posture, under saddle, with a loose rein, with a willing heart. These mm. are things that, that, that I see are, are, are classical, you know, the, the horse is, uh, is, is willing there. Mm, so in your day, these concepts were probably considered uh, quite unique. Well, you know, it's a violent time. It's a violent mm -hmm. time in, in my day. We have slavery, and depending on where you are, slaves can be beaten at will. Uh, animals are beaten frequently. Children are beaten. This is, uh, you know, this is uh, 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 something that happens in public. Uh, we have, uh, in Athens, of course, there are laws that declare women to be chattel. They are simply property. Um, mm -hmm. Whether this was actually true or not, you know, women supposedly weren't allowed to go out in public. We know this couldn't have been true because why do you write so many laws if it's not happening all the time, huh? So, <laughs> That's you know, true. <laughs> you know, look at the relationship between Zeus and Hera in the Greek myth. It's pretty mm -hmm. much a good map for how men and women relate to each other at all times <laughs> uh, in history and certainly a map for how women related to, to men and vice versa. And, in, in, in Greek society, so you can believe everything you read, uh, but it's a very violent time, and so on. I'm saying, you know, we have to, um, you know, we have to be uh, the masters of ourselves. Uh, again, this sort of goes back to your question of a school of horsemanship. If I were going to create a, a Xenophonian school of horsemanship, um, I, I would, I would, people would have to understand and people are only now coming to understand, it seems like. Horse takes his cues from us, so we have to master ourselves before we can ever master a horse. We mm, have to be a, in good humor. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. That's a good way to put it, mastering yourself before you can master the horse. I like that. You, yeah, you can't. I mean, this is, you, we have to be in good humor. We have to stay in control of our own mental and emotional state. Mm -hmm. If you're angry or out of sorts, then the horse can only guess as to what to do. For most of us, 
anger does not pass down. It does pass away like a summer shower, but it sticks around with low and gray clouds even after the thunder has gone. And our horses know this. We'll come to regret the things we do in this mood. I would mm -hmm. propose a school of horsemanship in which the mastery of ourselves is the overriding goal and the successful training of the horse for war or ceremony or show. That's the measure of that mastery. I'm fairly clear about mm -hmm. this, I think, in, in my books. Teaching horses not to be afraid can never happen with anger or frustration in our hearts. So if we don't mm -hmm. get to ride past the monster hedge today, then we must banish our impatience and try leading the horse past it tomorrow. When the horse is not fit enough to finish the course this week, we allow nature to improve strength over time, and we must not be greedy with our gains. One of the best things we can do during a ride where a horse has demonstrated a successful breakthrough you know, you do something and the horse all of a sudden gets it right. You say, oh, I've been trying this all week. All week I've been trying this. Okay, the, the horse does it. Wonderful. Perfect. It's to drop the reins altogether. Even maybe you dismount and you call it a day, even if it's early in the session. It's done. But we don't master ourselves. We're greedy. We want more. So I have to make, oh, let's do it again. That was so much fun. Let's do it again. It falls apart because we can't yeah. master our own, our own ego. That's good advice, good advice. Stop when you get it, and, and it is our humanness that makes us want to do it again, huh? <laughs> yes. I do this myself, I know. Yes. Now, look, can we go back to the topic of women? Now, I'm not sure how, how long you've been in our era. Uh, you have noticed that today it is mostly women who interact with horses. There are, there are men as well, but predominantly in this that's now a sport and a heartfelt thing, it is mostly women. What do you think of that? I think it's a great thing. See, first of all, you know, I love women, so you know, how can I not like that? I've any heard that man, about you. Any man, who, any man who wants to meet more women, get a horse. Oh, that's talk good about, advice. Talk about, a, talk about a chick magnet. I've told that to my 16-year-old son yeah, many times. You learn this now. Tell him now. The horse is a chick magnet, better than the little puppy in the park. Yes, yes. So I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. Obviously, I live in a time when, uh, you know, the roles for women are very circumscribed. And mm -hmm. what women can do and what women can't do are, are, you know, to put a woman on a horse in my time would be uh, very inappropriate. Uh, however... We, we, you know, we honor this, uh, we honor, we still have the, the tradition of the Amazon, you know, the mythical concept of women warriors. We have, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we actually have a goddess who is a huntress, you know, Diana, uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in the Roman, uh, in, in the Roman uh, phrasing. Uh, and uh, so this tradition is, um, it's there. I... And now, you know, I, at this point, I'm living in, in Sparta. Uh, I've left Athens. Uh, it was a big political stink. We don't have to get into the details of it. It has to do with, with uh, some criticisms I made. And I, well, I, I did some fighting on the side of Sparta after uh, the Battle of Kunatsa. But uh, in any event, we talk about it some other time. In Sparta, of course, their women have 
have uh, some rudimentary training in horsemanship and warfare and hunting. And at the end of my work on hunting, the Kinegetica, I say very clearly there's no reason why all of this relates only to men, uh, because women, of course, uh, especially in the Spartan tradition, uh, women are the seat, uh, as much the seat of virtue uh, for society as, as the men. And as I've said before, uh, these things in horsemanship lead us to a greater development of, of humanity and, and uh, the thrasos, the guts, what, what makes you a strong person. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, these things come from good horsemanship because it's a mastery of our lesser selves and elevation of our better selves. This is something women, sadly to say, have had to do internally for themselves for thousands of years because of their subjugation to men. So I think mm, it's a great thing point. that women bring from their experience in life to horsemanship. I only hope that they don't fall prey to the same kinds of things that men fall prey to in terms of ego and in terms of uh, 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 desire and, and rush, 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 and want to win the competition and all of that sort of thing, the farther they can get away from that, the less they can be uh, their lesser selves, and the more they can be their better selves, the better it is for horses in general. That's a good so reminder. I appreciate that. Yeah. So who were your teachers? Who taught you so much about horsemanship? You know, um, I had, of course, uh, uh, Simon of Athens, who is, uh, mm -hmm. uh, his, his, his works are gone now. We don't have anything from him, but uh, 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 certainly I learned a great deal from him. It's from him some of those quotes that I have in, in, in my book on horsemanship come. Uh, lots of old people around the countryside. Mm -hmm. People need to remember today as well as, as, um, as, well as in the past that Sometimes the, the, the oldster, the old man, the old woman uh, who just lives on the corner with her backyard horse, uh, sometimes they are horsemasters and you don't even know it. And oh, so yeah. we need to make sure that we're looking under every rock and crevice for every bit of information we can find. Um, one of the things that Socrates taught me as we took our stroll around the agora uh, in our, uh, uh, our peripatetic uh, studies was to, to question everything. Of course, this is what gets me in trouble with Athens, but we don't have to get into that. Question everything, criticize everything, and I mean critically, not, not, not to humiliate, and to, and to look for more knowledge everywhere. And this is where we can, we can look, the people down the road from you, the people that you didn't think were, because they don't win the big ribbons, because they don't have the, the, the cups and the trophies hanging on the wall. Uh, mm -hmm. so sometimes yeah. people just around. Old cavalrymen were many of my teachers, old cavalrymen, especially as I traveled east in, in, the, uh, in the war uh, against Persia. I saw horsemanship like I'd never seen before from the tribesmen in, in, uh, in the east and in Mesopotamia. Uh, and, and of course, uh, uh, these tribesmen often come back with us and become uh, some of the mainstays of our cavalry here. I see. So as you probably know, we don't have horses in the military today, although they use the word cavalry still uh, in, a, in a different way. What, what do you think about that, the absence of the military horsemanship today? I wish the absence of the military horsemanship meant an absence of war, but it is not the case. 
I say this from the perspective of what war does does to people, does to the countryside. Of course, it's very destructive. However, mm-hmm. um, I, I will also make no bones about this. In my work, it's very clear. War also brings out sometimes the best in people. It's sad that we have to have war to do this for us, but uh, this sometimes brings out the best in people. It sometimes brings out the best in horses. I like to think that today, if we had horses in war, we would have to change our war so that we weren't blowing them up with bombs and tanks. But in any event, if if we had horsemen, if we had horsemen in the military today, I think it would improve our horsemanship. Uh, there's mm-hmm. nothing so there's nothing that that puts you face to face with the problems you have with your seat, the problems you have with rough hands. Uh, than riding long-term over cross-country, which is what the horsemen mm-hmm. at war have to do. Uh, and so the closest thing maybe that we have to this today is uh, the endurance ride. Um, and this, this, has, this has a lot of benefit too. But people tend to ride, uh, you know, there's this uh, phrase in, uh, you know, the Cadre Noir in, 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 in France? They mm-hmm. have, uh, mm-hmm. I read this, they have this phrase that you shouldn't scrape your horse against the four corners of the arena for too long. Ah. This too, we should, we <laughs> scrape should, your horse. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we, should, we should remember to get outside a little more. Uh, mm-hmm. And in my day, that's all we did was ride outside. Boy, mm-hmm. would I have loved to have a cover sometimes. How about that? I think it's some, some, some there, we are losing, we lose some things by not actually riding horses in in a military setting. However, okay. we have, I, I talk about this in On Horsemanship too. there are games we can play, such as uh, chase games with one another. You chase mm-hmm. your, your partner uh, with a blunted, uh, a blunted stick. When you touch, mm-hmm. you turn, and he does the same to you. You can also try to wrestle your opponent off of the horse. This mimics what happens in, in combat. So mm-hmm. these things can be done too, uh, in, as as a form of training, and it will uh, talk about improve your seat. You do this bareback. You don't see that as much as you used to either. I know when I, as a kid, that's all I rode was bareback, but you don't see that very much today. No, I I think this is largely a good thing because in, uh, horses need to get fit just like we do. Horses mm-hmm. backs, you know, horses backs suffer from the weight that we put on them, even if it's mm-hmm. not very much. Um, we piled on lots of blankets, especially for our long-distance rides. We did everything we could to separate ourselves with some padding between us and the, the spine of the horse. Um, mm-hmm. We made sure not to brush any of, the, any of the grown hair away from the back so as to give the horse some protection. I think uh, the saddle is a good invention. Um, mm-hmm as long as it doesn't become a way to lock you in. So for our listeners who haven't read your book, what would you like for them to know about you and look at you from today's modern perspective? Would I want you to, how would I want you to see me? Yes. Uh, I, I want you to see me as someone who's trying to get it right. Trying to get it right, okay. I'm trying to get it right just like you are. I'm trying to give you something, the benefit of my experience, the benefit of my failures, uh, the, the benefit of my, of my successes, uh, and also to understand that questioning is, is 
uh, of huge importance. Uh, we've talked before about how you know I had a questioning and unconventional mind. I do. If you if you constantly question and if you constantly address these things as though you want to learn it better, so as to master yourself and to improve the horse and that relationship you have, I think I think you're on the right track. Okay, very good advice and timeless advice. I do believe doesn't matter if it's 100 BC or uh, 100 years from now, it will be the same. So that's very good advice. Well, then if we're just about out of time, is there anything you would like to share with our listeners that we haven't talked about? Maybe another time I come back, we talk some more. You know, I can tell you about my farm here in Olympia, up to, up to Peloponnesus from, uh, from Sparta and a little town called Ellis. If you want to come visit, everyone's very welcome. I think, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a great time. Well, and I'm sorry to hear about your banishment from Athens. That's that must be very hard to not be allowed to go home. One day I'll get to go back. You know, it's it's a nice place. I'm here with my wife, Felicia. My kids are going to school in, in Sparta, so talk about the manly arts. They're learning them there, and, uh, you know, it's not so bad. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad about that. And for our listeners, if you would like to read Xenophone's book on horsemanship as it is translated in English by the Gutenberg Project, you can get it online at Gutenberg, that's with one T.org, or just email me at info at thewowfactorradio.com, and I will email you back the ebook for free. And then, if one, I hope you will come back again. You've lived so long, I'm hoping you'll live another few hundred years or a thousand years so you can uh, continue to advise us from this information from for the ages. And we so much appreciate you being with us today. Oh, I'm thrilled. I have to go check my Spanakopita in the oven now, so. Okay, you do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you've been listening to the Wow Factor Radio. Do join us again next week. This is Chris Garrett. Bye-bye.